Pastor Dave Rolf makes the connection between knowing your place and success in life and ministry. We have to find where do I fit? We can't expect everything to be perfect or then we just become like a Mexican standoff where everyone's facing each other and shooting each other. We've got to go, I need to do what I do and I want to find out where I fit. And in the end, success happens. Success comes when most of us are doing what we're called to do. Wake up my soul. Wake up early in the day. Wake up my hand. And the instrument I play. Wake up my voice. Let the world hear me say, You are worshiped and it's all to hear today. God has given us each certain gifts, talents, and a calling in life question is, do you know who you are and are you doing what God has called you to do? Pastor Dave Rolf will urge us to find our place and fulfill our calling. We'll hear a bunch of people that did that very thing in 2 Samuel chapter 20. We're continuing our kingdom building series on the balanced word. Here's Pastor Dave. The last three verses are, are so are interesting because it, it lists people and their jobs. <laughs> they had Joab was over all the army of Israel. After that, nobody goes, I want to be general. They're like, no, 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 you're, you're the man. Um, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Cherethites and the Pelethites, the slingers and, you know, the archers. And so Adoram was in charge of revenue. It's kind of weird that they're listing these people in this context, but I'll explain why I think they did. Adoram was in charge of basically the IRS. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, was recorder. So he was the guy that kept all the legal records. Shiva was scribe. He was like the secretary to David. When David wanted to do something or correspondence, he would write it. And Zadok and Abiathar were the priests. They were running the worship there at the tabernacle in Jerusalem. And then Ira, the gyrite, was a chief minister under David. Really, it means it says that he was a priest to David. David couldn't always go, you know, take cuts at the tabernacle whenever he needed something. So he had this guy like as his chaplain in a way. He was just there. He could pray with David. He could listen to him in confidence. And so all of these people had jobs. And it's interesting that they're all listed here because when I look at this chapter, I go, Everything in the Bible is here for us. Scriptures make that very clear. These are examples for us. So what do we learn from chapter 20 of 2 Samuel? And I mean, obviously there's a lot of letters in here. Like if a guy drops a sword in front of you, take a step back. Don't <laughs> hug him. But really what I see overall in this chapter is something that's super important throughout Scripture. And that is... You need to make sure that everybody is in their place. Everyone knows where they belong, what their calling is, what their job is, and everyone will, will do better if each of us knows, here's my role, here's my responsibility, here's my calling. It's devastating for people who, in your life, you go, I don't even know who I am and, and what I'm supposed to do, or... I'm trying to be something that I'm not because somebody pushed me into it or because there was some, uh, you know, I had some obsession with it or, or I had the opportunity. Um, things only work 
when everyone kind of knows what their place is and they all do what it is that they're called to do. It, and same thing with everybody in this chapter. It becomes clear, like, okay, you have, on the one hand, there's a, a guy that wants to be king, <laughs> Sheba. That wasn't his job. That was a bad idea for him to have the ambition to be king. Amasa, out of place. Maybe a good guy, not the sharpest guy, not the greatest sense of awareness of what was going on, certainly not suitable to be a general, to lead an army. So both of those guys got out of place and it didn't work. Now, David is a guy who was totally in his place. God had anointed him and he was king. And even with all of his weakness and all of his problems, he was still the best guy to rule over Israel. Then you have Joab. Joab's a general. There's a lot of things that you wouldn't like about Joab. But it's pretty clear when it came down to it, you want somebody to lead you into a war. You want someone who is willing to put his life on the line over and over again, and he's good at it. That's Joab. This woman, you could do better. I mean, how could you do any better than to have a woman like this in a position of influence? She's smart. She's tough. She's a good communicator. She knows who to talk to. She was amazing. That city was so lucky to have her. And so, and then with this whole list of people at the end of the chapter, I think one reason why this list is here is because it's like, here are a bunch of people doing what they were called to do. Here are people who found their niche, who found their place, and they were fulfilling their calling. And when that happens and everything comes together, it's amazing. Now, every one of us, there are all kinds of potential positions that we could seek or pursue. You know, it's not like you just fall into it and there's only one thing. Sorry, you're either this or nothing. There are a ton of options for all of us, and yet going through life is partly the process of working your way through and finding out, okay, who did God really design me to be? What is it that is really my place? Now, as you're younger, you start, you know, you start imagining all sorts of different things, but eventually, if you just pay attention, the Spirit of God is working in your life, and you end up realizing that, wow, I see where I am today, and this is really who I am. I don't need to try to be somebody else. I, I've found my place. The Bible talks about spiritual gifts and the idea that everyone has a certain you know, capacity and, and certain abilities and everyone has gifts. And that, that way everyone is needed because everyone has a place. But finding out what your place is, finding out what your gifts are, it's sometimes can be really stressful. But at the same time, if it doesn't happen, nothing works the way it's supposed to work. Everything becomes disastrous. You can completely ruin your life trying to be somebody that you aren't. You can completely miss opportunities because you were trying to be somebody else instead of the person who would have been perfect for this position. I think also in this respect, well, we all need to find our calling. Like, who am I really supposed to be? Who am I when I'm really in my groove, when I'm really where I'm supposed to be? Who am I at that point? And to you know, do the best you can at that and to accept that and appreciate that. 
I, I hear people all the time who come to me and they're like, I just feel like I should be doing more than I am for God. You know, who's to say that what you're doing for God isn't exactly what he wants you to do? It's not about how can I get the best, most prominent, how can I make a difference to the most people? No, it's like you do what you're doing, there's a really good chance that you're already doing that. It's just a question of whether or not you feel like, wow, this is really who God has made me to be. That's how I ended up in this position. Now, a warning, there is something that in, they call the Peter principle in business. A guy named Peter made this up, but it, it's, a, it's a, an expression that says, you will always be promoted to your level of incompetency. That is, eventually, and you know this, you've seen people who are really good at their job, so then they become a manager. And then they're not quite as good at that, but they've been around a lot and people want to get rid of them, so then they make them the president or whatever. It's just like, <laughs> get rid of this guy. As much as possible, you want to avoid the Peter principle. That means because someone offers you a change, don't assume that that change is a positive one. Like, Sheba's life could have been so much better if he didn't decide he should be king. Amasa could have, if, he, if David had said, I want you to be the general, if he had goes, look, I'm no Joab. Let me be a lieutenant. I'll work with him. I'll support him. What a different outcome it could have been. But when the Peter principle kicks in, all of a sudden, you get people expecting you to be something that you aren't. And you even have this feeling like, I should be excited about this. But you know what? I liked my life better when I was younger. And when I saw a poll a few years ago where they polled married couples who were, you know, they were like in their 50s and 60s. And they asked them when they were most happy in their life. And almost always, they said, when we were young, our kids were small, we were struggling, we weren't sure how we were gonna make it financially, and those were the best times. See, just getting things easier doesn't necessarily put you in a place that's actually better for you or better for anyone else. It's like people will be looking at you and how did you ever get to hear, and you're like, I don't know. I actually liked it a lot better when I was doing what I was doing at that point. Making the decision to limit yourself so that you can maintain who you really are is huge. I have a son, my son, oldest son, William, who's like one of the smartest, most gifted people I know in the world. And he's a civil engineer. And he really easily could have built his civil engineering firm up huge. But instead, he goes, you know, I want to be able to make a living, have a house, support my family. But I also want to go surfing. I want to take my kids on vacations. I want to do and so he intentionally chose to limit the size of his business so that it could support him without him having a whole bunch of people that he had to support from it. And I'm like, I'm so proud of him because he made that choice. And I think, how many people could make that choice? Or do you always think you just need one more customer, you need one more of this, one bigger of that? No, figure out who you are and how can you do what you do faithfully? And that ends up becoming more important than anything else. And so, you know, you look at these guys and see what happens one way or the other. Now. Another thing that comes along with this is, if I know what my calling is, I should be really careful about criticizing other people for what their calling is. Like, okay, 
This person may be called to be a general. It's been disastrous at different times in our country's history when it was decided that civilians should tell soldiers how to do battle. Now, of course, you look at certain things that are done and you can go, oh, that's, that's awful. There are always consequences. God holds those who are in positions to be responsible, but the best way to do war is not to bring in somebody that's a civilian to tell the soldiers what to do. At some point, you have to let them do their job because that's what they do. And sometimes, like with Joab, it may, might be ugly. Sometimes you may look at it and go, oh. The same thing goes for people in law enforcement. It's just ridiculous when, you know, now they're like, okay, defund the police, don't let them do what they do. We need to put strict rules on them. We had one public servant, you know, who suggested that why do they have to shoot people who are committing crimes? Can't, can't they just shoot them in the leg? And it's like, if you've ever been on a shooting course and seen how, that's absurd, that's ridiculous. Somebody who's shot in the leg can still shoot you back. But that's what happens when people who don't have that calling think that they can tell other people how to do what they do. The same thing goes for people telling teachers how to teach, people telling pastors how to pastor. It's like, look, if you want to become an expert in that, go to school, get your education, and then you'll have something to offer. But don't get out of your calling in order to try to fix somebody else's. Because when I look at these guys, I go, I would have done that a lot different. But I'm not a general. I, I'm not a woman who is the mayor of a city making a tough decision like this. So I'm, I'm not any of these things. I have to do what I do. And the wisest thing is to be satisfied with that. Now, there is, and that means also, by the way, it's never perfect. We're designed to function, like in the church, we're designed to function as a body. Everyone has roles, everyone has parts to play, and that's really true and that's really important. However, when you begin to criticize other people, like Paul talks about that, like one part of the body pointing a finger at another part of the body, it gets messy. We have to trust people who are in a position to do their jobs. And we can't just take pot shots at them from the sidelines. It just weakens all of us. Now, there may be people, I know people who, they're just out there looking for pastors who fail and exposing them and everything. And I don't take a shot at people like that. I go, okay, if that's what you believe that is your calling, that's fine. But for me, I'm like, I have more important things to do than to tell somebody else how to do their job. And I know there are consequences. If somebody's living their lives in a, in a destructive way, it'll all fall, fall apart on them anyway. It doesn't need me to point the finger and to be critical. Because if I'm criticizing somebody else for the way they do their job, I'm actually not doing my job unless my job is actually to tell other people what to do. I get lots of advice from people about pastoring a church, for instance. But it's generally, it, in fact, it's almost inverse proportion. The less somebody knows about ministry, the more eager they are to tell somebody else how to do it. And like in our world, people think that Oh, everybody in the church should decide what the church does. And everybody, you know, the pastor just works for everyone else. And it's like, that doesn't work. Now, at the same time, 
I look at pastors whose egos get a hold of them and they're, they can be cruel to people and everything, and I don't like that. But I know that God will bring consequences to people who do that. I'm not going to be the one to try to take them down. God will do that just fine. But I, but I think that, you know, often when we get into the situation, if all the time I spend criticizing the government for doing what government does, the police for doing what police do, the military for doing what they do, other churches for doing what they do, it shows my own ignorance, but it also means that's time away from me doing what I'm called to do. And it's really important. You know, in, in churches, you, you puff somebody up. In fact, you, you promote and support somebody who's just, they're so ravaged with testosterone that whew, it gets huge. And then you're like surprised when the testosterone kicks in. It's just, no, that's kind of the way it is, man. Joab's going to be Joab. I, I remember Pastor Romaine who, I mean, he can be really mean at times. He can be really sweet at other times. But God help us if we had tried to have a big church without having a guy like that who was going around offending people. It was so important. You know, did I always think, boy, that's great that he's doing it? No. But in retrospect, now that he's with the Lord, and I realize how few people are willing to go out there and be Joabs, and I'm like, yeah, I do. I miss him greatly. We need some of that. But for any of us, we have to find where do I fit? We can't expect everything to be perfect, or then we just become like a Mexican standoff where everyone's facing each other and shooting each other. We've got to go... I need to do what I do, and I want to find out where I fit. And in the end, success happens. Success comes when most of us are doing what we're called to do. When we're not tearing apart other people for the way they're doing what they do, when we're not trying to do somebody else's job, but we're just going, you know what? I know what my niche is, and I'm going to do the best I can to do that. I heard somebody told me this week that, that somebody in their family had got mad and left our church because I said something good about Dr. Fauci. And I'm like, I, I, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Dr. Fauci, but I looked back to see what I had said, and what I said was there was a guy who was a high school dropout who told me Fauci was an idiot. And I said, he graduated number one in the Cornell Medical School class 50 years ago. He's not an idiot. Oh, you want to tell me he's the Antichrist or whatever? Fine. But, <laughs> no, and somebody's so offended that, like, oh, no, we have to put this person in their place. I don't know, you know, one one-hundredth of what experts know about all kinds of things. And just because I can Google something or watch some stupid YouTube video or chat GPT told me, that doesn't make me an expert. I'm an expert at one thing, being me. And for every one of us, if we can just go, you know, I'm going to be the best version of me that I can, and I'm going to let God worry about all the other stuff, it's amazing what can happen. It's amazing how much good can come about. Obviously, what the devil loves to do to people is get them doing somebody else's job instead of their own, or get them feeling like, oh, my job doesn't matter. It doesn't. I mean, this morning, after first service, Dennis and Shelley DeMays talked to me, and they said, yeah, you know, they're, they're kind of tripping out because, like, mostly what they do with their lives now is take vacations. Their kids are raised, their grandkids are getting older, and so 
they take vacations and they go, I guess that's what my niche is. And I go, Dennis, every week when like on Instagram, I look at your pictures. They were last week in Brian Head and it was just gorgeous. It was beautiful. They're there enjoying their grandkids and skiing and everything. I go, don't you understand that this week I couldn't go to Brian Head? But I can look at your pictures. I'm telling you, it makes me want to go. It makes me happy that you're going. Sometimes if you're just being you, you're amazed at how much fruitfulness can come from you just being you. But of course, what the devil wants to do is make you feel like being you means nothing. And therefore, you're going to try to be something that you aren't. And you're surprised when it doesn't fit and it doesn't work. Figure out who you are. And and believe me, chances are you're already doing what you were born to do. It's just the devil doesn't want you to believe that. And so you just think, oh, no, I'm dissatisfied. I should be doing more. Just be, be happy with what God has done in your life. He's been working all this time. And here you are at a place where you have to decide, Am I Now, there may be things that God is telling you, changes that you need to make in your life. If what you're doing isn't working, then it would be foolish not to make changes. But at the same time, start with the assumption that what if God has been leading you all this time? Now, sometimes you look at your life and go, how could God have been leading me through all of the pain and suffering that I've been through, even the pain that I've caused others, all the loss and everything else? You go, I don't know, how could God have been leading me? Really? Because everything you've been through qualifies you to have a different perspective. And it may have been that what you think was your dark years was the time when God was actually preparing you for what he wants to do. So I always say, assume that God knows what he's doing and he has you in a place where he wants you to be. Now, how can you do the best job that you can of being who you are in the place where you are? And it starts by accepting that and then it carries over to other people can have other jobs. That's them. That's not me. I'm doing what I'm called to do. And to me, that's, as I read this chapter, I'm like, that's it. That was the difference between people who, whose lives just blew up and people who went forward and brought the nation forward at the same time. You're listening to The Balanced Word with our pastor and teacher, Dave Rolfe. Today's message is part of our study in First and Second Samuel called Kingdom Building. Stay with us for more teaching from Pastor Dave in just a moment. These programs are available by podcast at thebalancedword.com. You can also call and request a CD copy at 949-362-7475. You might also want to request the entire Kingdom Building series. Again at 949-362-7475. We'd also like to offer you Pastor Dave's Through the Bible in a Year series on a USB thumb drive for a gift of $25 or more. Go Through the Bible in a Year with Pastor Dave by ordering this special series today. Again, call 949-362-7475 or order online at thebalancedword.com. Your gifts help to make these shows possible on stations like this one all across the nation. Thank you for standing with us with either a one-time gift or ongoing monthly support. Donations can be made at thebalancedword.com. Have you had a chance to listen to Pastor Dave's one-minute messages? You can listen to those at thebalancedword.com and even join our mailing list, so you can have them delivered to you each day. 
You can watch them on Instagram or Facebook, too, by following CC Pacific Hills. Pastor Dave would love to have you join us at Pacific Hills Calvary Chapel. Our service times on Sunday morning are at 8, 9.45, and 11.30. Directions and more information about the church can be found online at ccpacifichills.org. You can watch our live stream there, too, ccpacifichills.org. If we can pray for you in any way, we ask that you contact us through thebalancedword.com or by calling us at 949-362-7475. Let's look to the Lord in prayer before we close. Lord, thank you for these stories, as, as gross and uncomfortable as they might be, yet they make a point clear. Get out of place, you bring hurt and devastation. Find your place, you fit, and you build something amazing. Lord, as you were using these guys, once they found their places and you were building this nation to where its greatest years were ahead under Solomon, we would desire to be used in the same way for our lives to just be what they're supposed to be and to realize it's amazing for us to be who we are. We don't have to be somebody else. May we all just have that sense of, I know who I am. I'm doing what God's called me to do, and I'm enjoying the ride. Thanks, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're tying up some loose ends next time on The Balanced Word with Dave Roth, a presentation of Pacific Hills Calvary Chapel. Wake up my soul. Wake up early in the day. Wake up my hands. And the instrument I play, wake up my